Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Welcome to the Pine Lander Podcast. My name is Paula Faber. I'm here with my Ranger buddy, Mike Blackburn. Today is Friday, the 21st of April, 2023. 2023 is just cooking right along. Uh, the days are getting longer. It's getting hotter. My grass is getting higher. I need to mow it. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, I think the, uh, uh, the wave of pollen is, uh, I think we're seeing the last vestiges of it. I would, I'm happy to say that here if you live in uh, the Carolinas. Uh, today, we return to a topic that's, I think, near and dear to a lot of, of uh, our listeners' hearts, and that is uh, the current uh, uh, status of the, the military and and uh, the country and kind of put a pulse on that. And we've, we've been talking about all, that a lot, you know, I guess the last years, just kind of um, decrying that, some of the values and ethics and the, the, uh, the ethical drift yeah, I'll, I'll uh, the yeah. moral drift of what's going on. And- I'd even say, I mean, I, I'm going to venture out there and say that perhaps um, a lot of these young uh, warriors that I see today um, may be in better physical shape than yeah. our generation. No doubt. And I'm, I, I'm not sure if that's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just from my observations because it seems like today this, with this younger generation, they love to hang out in gyms. I mean, yeah. that's how they kind of socialize. That's kind of how they hang out with each other. That's how they meet each other. In, in our day, you know, we would just go out and drink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but the thing that we're noticing is the mental health. Yeah, the mental, the social, the uh, emotional issue. Uh, so what we did is we, uh, we reached out to one of the experts in the field, uh, to Kevin Maines. Uh, he's a veteran of the U.S. Ar- uh, Navy, excuse me, uh, Army just kind of rolls off the tongue, but veteran of the U.S. Navy from uh, the 1970s during the Vietnam War. Uh, he spent 40 years as a clinical psychotherapist uh, and is currently serving as, uh, and I'm going to try to get this right, an EPIC, it is the Embedded uh, Prevention Behavioral Health Capability Specialist uh, for the 7th Marine Regiment. So, Mr. Kevin Maines, I want to welcome you to the podcast, sir. Hello, sir. Hello. I hope I nailed the title. <laughs> you did. I'm impressed. Okay. It's, it's I, I, yeah, I didn't know I would get that uh, done, but but Kevin, uh, you're a guy that uh, you've you've kind of watched this this creep, this drift of what's going on, and uh, I wonder if we could just start off by uh, you know, as a professional, uh, as someone who has uh, offered. Uh, decades of counsel uh, to uh, servicemen and women that are hurting and that uh, you, you no doubt have, have been watching this. And I wonder if you could just kind of give us your take on what, what you see as a, a current, I guess, la- uh, moral implosion, a, a moral drift in our country. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to respond to what I consider to be a um, profoundly important uh, topic. Um, after 50 years of 
working with uh, service members, warfighters, uh, all the way back to the early 70s. Um, what I've seen progress is a drift, as you put it earlier, uh, in um, psychological wherewithal, um, social support, uh, uh, spiritual wellness and, and fitness, um, ethical clarity. Uh, we've moved from a time when, despite political and social uh, perspectives and differences that arise, um, we had common denominators that held us together. We believed this was a God-blessed country that while we were not perfect, but in Jeffersonian perspective, we, we were a more perfect union and moving through our current events and the history that followed, making, I think, noble efforts to right the wrongs of our society, civil rights movement, um, the women's movement, we, we embraced those changes but we held to common denominators that defined us, that we could go back to and agree upon that this is who we are, we're Americans. Today, as a result of this incremental drift away from those anchors, we now have new recruits coming into the fleet who, who lack that foundation. Instead, they're swept up in the nihilism that is rampant in our society today. Therefore, no moral anchorage, no clarity about right and wrong. Uh, there's a lack of, uh, in fact, a profound lack of meaningfulness that is embraced, not just in terms of those common denominators that we once shared in common, but now... Um, very little is trusted. Institutions, traditions, uh, our, our stories, our history, our, our mythology, all of that now is viewed from what I consider to be not only nihilistic, but a narcissistic perspective. My truth, says the postmodern individual, my truth dictates reality. Your truth is different from my truth. So because of that narcissistic orientation, when they enter the military, their expectations having, I think, been represented as continuing to embrace tradition and that noble identity of, of Americanism, um, once they get into the fleet, wokeism having now taken senior leaders within the Department of Defense. Uh, people who find themselves obligated through their contract with the DOD enlisted or those who take on the commission of officer find themselves in an organization that lacks clarity, uh, lacks the foundation of trust so the disappointment, the disillusionment, the disenfranchisement that follows undermines good order and discipline. It undermines um, commitment, esprit de corps, uh, ultimately those things undermining lethality on the battlefield. 
Um, and I lay all of that within the military at the feet of leadership. It is leadership that is needed to, to right these wrongs and set the course, set the anchors and, and provide guidance to these uh, young adults who, who enter the military with such a distorted sense of self and a distorted sense of expectation. Well, you know, we had, yeah, I mean, that's well said. Wow, yeah. But listen, I mean, uh, you know, when I I went to basic training in in the early 1980s, and uh, there was narcissists. Uh, There there was a few, uh, 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 several of us that would show up that uh, had had weird ideas about things. But I I remember that the purpose of basic training was really to break all that down, to reintroduce you know, um, these standards, this, this sort of, uh, baseline foundation that you're talking about where we could, okay, okay. All my thinking, maybe I came from a broken home. Maybe I, maybe I came from a bad neighborhood. Maybe I've, I've been uh, witnessed a lot of, uh, uh, turmoil and chaos in my life, but now I was going to find order. This was, this was what, this is right. And this is wrong. And all that was, uh, pounded into us, uh, during this period of time in basic training. Are, are we not getting it done now in basic or, or is that, that, uh, that function of basic, is that no longer, uh, seem, seems, uh, uh, important? Is it, is it taking a backseat to other, other agendas or other things that, uh, senior leadership now considers important? Great question. My, my perspective on that, uh, as I work so closely with, uh, new Marines and sailors, uh, fresh out of the schoolhouse, finding themselves at 7th Regiment as their first duty station in the fleet. Uh, Those young adults speak with pride, having earned the Eagle Globe and Anchor. They're proud of being Marines. Um, So we are getting it done in boot camp. It's still a tried and true methodology in bringing uh, civilians uh, in one end of recruit training and producing Marines at the other end. We're getting it done. What's happening is the disillusionment happens uh, in the Marine Corps following recruit training into the School of Infantry. Uh, and beyond that, uh, there's specific MOS schoolhouse. All of those uh, institutional steps maintain good order and discipline. Once they get to the fleet, a common occurrence, sadly, is a miscarriage of leadership where we have young adults who believe that hazing is a legitimate um, EMI methodology, extra military instruction. Uh, A young corporal will see a deficit in the junior Marines uh, MOS proficiency, Uh, legitimate, and we have protocols that are to be followed to execute EMI, extra military instruction, um, involving senior leadership oversight and accountability. But those protocols are often, sadly, way too often um, sidelined, and the corporal takes it upon him or herself to execute his or her definition of EMI, that involves hazing. Hazing is intended to humiliate 
demoralize and defeat. Uh, whereas legitimate EMI with that corporal participating uh, demonstrates support, setting people up to succeed, uh, effort to, to enhance their MOS proficiency and good order and discipline. And the result, if it's done well, is uh, a young Marine having come into the fleet and they've discovered the family, the tribe that they were hoping for when they enlisted um, to be true. However, unfortunately, too often times, getting it done in the boot camp uh, recruit training setting and schoolhouse that follows is sadly undermined when poor leadership is what that young Marine meets in the fleet. And from that point forward, what they do, what those young Marines do is they resort back to the nihilistic, narcissistic perspective that served them before they came into the military. Mm -hmm. So we lose all of that ground gain and the individual ostensibly has thrown off the mantle of military bearing and they're back to being a self-centered, rudderless, angry, frightened, desperate, self-absorbed, self-centered individual who has now expectations that they are entitled to, uh, well, gosh, I could finish that sentence in a number of ways, but coddling, yeah. that, that being held accountable, uh, PTing, uh, going to the field. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to me, Paul and Mike, that we frequently have to remind our Marines, our O311s in the Marine Corps MOS system, our infantrymen, we have to remind them why we're going to the field as often as we do, that it is to build up MOS proficiency and lethality. So when we go into battle and we identify, close with, and destroy the enemy, we come back alive. That our training is to prepare us with such mesh, uh, muscle memory and MOS proficiency that we are more lethal than the enemy. And we come back alive, leaving our enemy not just decimated in that battle, but clearly with the impression that they will not come at us for generations because we are that lethal. That's the message of training. And yet we have to repeatedly remind them that that that's why we do this. The reason why the reminding is so necessary is because when, unfortunately, our Marines bump into bad leadership, we, we lose them very quickly to those things that existed before they came into the Marine Corps. Yes, yes, that makes complete sense to me. Um, I think it would do our audience um, and myself as well uh, some good if if you provide a little bit of background because that's a heck of a title you have. Um, but what what is what is what is an epic? I mean, what does what is your job in the Marine Corps? What what do you do and what's your background and, and why is this um, you know your expertise and how did you get there? Thank you. Um, at a time when suicide had become 
a, an epidemic within the Marine Corps. Leadership at headquarters Marine Corps designed a program to begin to address those risk factors and build up the protective factors that would diminish the occurrence of suicide. In those days, um, and this was roughly 2014, um, they decided that an embedded individual, that is a civilian who does not report to civilian chain of command, but reports directly to senior uniformed leadership within the unit, the embedded individual then seeks to enhance behavioral health capabilities to provide support, guidance, and intervention for those who are drifting into suicide ideation and, and various behaviors. Since then, well beyond behavioral health, it is now understood that Indeed, behavioral health encompasses all aspects of life, whether it's financial or spiritual or relational or social or physical. In fact, within the Marine Corps, we talk about total fitness, that is body, mind, spirit, and social uh, well-being. So the EPIC, and EPIC is how we pronounce the acronym EPBHC, Embedded Prevention behavioral health capabilities specialist. So EPIC uh, is the title for individuals such as myself who are charged with the responsibility to identify trends of what we refer to as insider threats, that is suicide, substance abuse, including alcohol, of course, um, domestic violence, sexual assault and harassment, uh, and other um, prohibited activities, violations, including hazing. My job is to identify those occurrences, identify the trends, advise senior leadership as to what those trends appear to be headed toward, and then make recommendations that are as proactive as possible to get left of the bang, as we say, and intervene, uh, interrupting that trend and drawing us back to enhanced protective factors that build the total fitness of our warfighter. So that's, that's my job. The background in my clinical work um, fits, I think, uh, impeccably well with, with what the job entails, but that clinical background isn't necessary for those who qualify for the position. Much more important, though, Paul and Mike, what I believe makes a good epic is the passion for our well-being for, for the well-being of our warfighters not just our warfighters but their families and the communities that they live in because to quote colonel dave hart commander seventh regiment a happy warfighter is a more lethal warfighter a happy-hearted warfighter is a more lethal warfighter meaning if i don't have my family to worry about if i have if, if I am well in my soul, in my spirit, in my physicality, in my mental health, in, in, in my social relationships, if I, am, if I am emotionally intelligent and emotionally well, when I am called upon, and let's put a finer point on this, when I am called upon to kill other human beings, it is my moral certitude and clarity that differentiates me 
as a peacekeeper and executing what I'm called to do with moral clarity, it differentiates me, frankly, from a murderer. I am not killing for the pleasure of killing. I'm killing because I love my fellow warfighters. I'm killing for the sake of my country and our mission. I am called upon to do those things that millions upon millions of other people are unwilling to do. That's what makes our warfighters heroes. They are willing to rush to the gunfire and engage as others run away from the gunfire. Uh, for those people to do what they're called to do, it's my job to make sure that we're identifying impediments to that readiness and resilience and bring solutions. So that's, that's the role of the EPIC within not just the Marine Corps, but that position is, while it's called different things, um, it, is, it is common throughout DOD. Now, the... Uh... Uh, you said the, the trends. So could you just expand about on that a little bit? Like what kind of trends are you seeing? What are trending these days? Well, see, I'm, I'm the same way because you mentioned the fact, um, you know, Kevin, you've been around a while. Um, yeah, we, I, we let's talk trends, but I'm, I'm also interested in what you've seen over the decades. You know, what's the difference between, uh, you know, Vietnam vets coming back with shell shock and all the other things that we used to, you know, call that and, and, and the sort of trends and, and issues that they were that 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 armed services that group of uh, warriors were dealing with back then, as opposed to what you're seeing today. Wow, uh, big big questions. Um, starting with trends, um, we we can quote the data, but it in my estimation, is a more reasonable and uh, effective approach to just rely upon common sense. Uh, usually, in fact, data comes in behind common sense and says, yep, common sense is actually rational and sensical. Uh, and the people that read that data who held that common sense read the data and say, yeah, well, we knew that before you provided the data. The data helps, but it usually doesn't, and I, it, the vast majority of times, data does not bring anything new to the table. It simply substantiates what we already knew. So intuitive leadership recognizes trends. Data comes in behind and says, yep, you were right. You saw it for yourself, and here's the data to back up what you just saw. That's how I view most data. And I say that because, to me, and, and I realize how politically incorrect what I'm about to say strikes some people. Go for it. <laughs> You're in pine land. You're yeah, safe. It's a safe zone. Safe space. <laughs> I feel so safe. Thank you. Um, failure of leadership is a term that I think is fitting it is sobering. It, it calls arms at all echelons throughout organizations to look at our leadership style and take stock in the influences we're putting out there. What legacy are we leaving? Um, 
it is failure of leadership that drives most of these trends. If leadership does what it's supposed to do, these trends on their own will come down. You don't need a person like me. In fact, if I'm doing my job, ultimately over time, I'm gonna work myself out of a job because the legacy I'm leaving is a new generation of solid, good, ethical leaders, good people who have become better Marines and even better leaders of Marines. And in that role, those trends will be diminished naturally by the function of good leadership. Mm. Having said that, specifically, while we track, say, suicide, and within the DOD and in particular within the Marine Corps, we always juxtaposition our uh, perspective of what's happening in the Marine Corps to other branches of service as well as the civilian world. The point is that suicide fluctuates, but statistically in insignificant fluctuations. That is to say, over time, suicide remains as much a problem now as it was five years ago, 10 years ago. There are differences, but statistically, in my opinion, insignificant. One is too many. That's where I start. But uh, there is an ongoing trend that young Marines in particular, um, and we're, we're talking E5 and below typically, uh, statistically most significant are, are the E5 and below. So within the Marine Corps, we're looking at someone in their early mid twenties, maybe mid to late twenties, depending on their promotion tracking, but generally the range of mid twenties in terms of age, mostly men, mostly gunshot, um, and, uh, statistically significant is the role alcohol plays. It isn't present every time, but it's present enough that it is something we need to pay attention to. So, uh, one trend in responding to your question is, is the ongoing issue of suicidality. Another issue is alcohol related incidents. Um, in the Department of Navy and the Marine Corps specifically, um, alcoholism is a thing. And to me, uh, a trend that is, in my opinion, undeniable is that the Marine Corps functions just like an alcoholic family does. Uh, denial of an alcohol problem is rampant. Um, we, we wink at a junior Marine drinking in, uh, you know, an underaged junior Marine drinking. Not only do we wink at that, not every time, but it's a trend, uh, at, that the message doesn't get out that it's not okay. Uh, instead, the message is, in fact, during Marine mess, for many units, junior Marines, underage junior Marines, are not just encouraged to drink, but often forced to drink. Mm -hmm. So the message is uh, very confusing, very dysfunctional. Um, you're underage, don't drink. 
but behind closed doors among Marines, drink, drink often, drink heavily, just don't get caught because bad things will happen. Um, and it's what we do. After all, we were born in a bar. So dismantling that kind of dysfunctional mythology is an ongoing issue. And it's a trend that is undeniable because it's very predictable. It looks just like an alcoholic family. And the result, just like an alcoholic family, is ongoing dysfunction, if not, in the very least, self-defeating behavior, or worse, self-destructive, and up to and including death or jail. Mm. So those kinds of trends. Um, sexual assault, uh, uh, another trend. We have numbers that suggest fluctuation again. But uh, common sense tells us if I have a co-ed barracks and alcohol is uh, abused uh, in that setting and there is no leadership present in that setting, uh, we have men and women who are drunk, who live in the same building. And I would ask any of your listeners, what do you suppose is the outcome we can predict? Right. Yeah. So those are the kinds of trends that are constantly crossing my desk that generate conversations with senior leaders who are flummoxed and faced with the dilemma of having to choose to dedicate time and resources to MOS proficiency and field readiness versus putting their Marines in education settings or activities that promote life-giving participation, uh, that promote total fitness, and learning uh, what alcohol abuse looks like, learning what sexual assault looks like. Instead, we have, as I'm sure you're familiar with the term, death by PowerPoint, uh, we, we run them through these perfunctory briefs. Uh, they're, frankly, in my opinion, often, while they're very relevant and disseminate very useful, pertinent information, at the same time, they're a waste of time because the numbers don't come down. And I circle back to the point that I made earlier. The function of leaders... Good leaders are the solution. Good leadership doesn't solve all problems, but bad leadership is the cause of most problems. So addressing leadership, to me, is the driving force for, for all things prevention. Well, you, you mentioned um, something that uh, caught, caught my attention, and that was uh, the moral clarity required of a very young age group. Um, in my own life, I'm in my 50s, so I'm getting close to 60. Um, I, I certainly have a higher degree of moral clarity, at least I like to think so today, than I ever did when I was in my 20s. Um, and these, these guys don't work at a, a, a factory. Uh, these are war fighters. Uh, right. you know, these, these <laughs> the, the, the moral clarity required of a a warfighter um, over his counterpart in the civilian sector is uh, phenomenal. 
Yes. So, yes, the leadership is important, but um, and, and you, you mix alcohol in there. You mix, uh, uh, you know, the different sexes together and everything else. You've got you've got training requirements. Oh, my God, these warriors have to they have to know how to uh, do their mission. Um, right. How how do you how do you teach? How do we, uh, it, you know, put moral clarity into these warfighters as they're do, trying to do their combat? Because I think you're right. I think the um, where these guys are at uh, emotionally is part of their lethality. Uh, it's going to the range is the easy part. Um, yes. The harder part is what you're talking about, which is right and wrong. Yes. Is there a way to incorporate that where it's not a PowerPoint slide? Because I think you're right. I think everyone just goes to the PowerPoint slide. We we check the block. They've had the class. Now let's go to the range. Yes. Yes. Um, how 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 are you guys tackling that um, in Seventh Marines? Or are you? Well, certainly, it it is our mission to do so. You're absolutely right. Hey, and and Kevin, if I can jump in there too. We don't want to single out the Marines. No, no. Uh, because I, I don't want you to th- anyone to think that because the Army has got this same problem. Yeah, this is this is. It yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, uh, yeah. your familiarity is you're talking about your branch, but branch trust of me, service, irrespective. Yeah, it's tr- same trust problem. me. Paul and I are sitting there yeah. nodding our heads, going, "Yep, we see this right where we're same at." Same stuff. Yeah, uh, and, the, and right. the, the I want to make sure that was said. Yeah, that's that's important. Yeah, these 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 are young Americans that are joining the armed forces. And it doesn't yes. matter whether they join the Marine Corps, the Army, the Air Force. I mean, they're coming. You know, this is this is the environment they're going into. These are the yeah. these are the uh, challenges that they're facing. Yeah, and they're coming in, having witnessed the fall of Kabul mm. and how the withdrawal of military forces was managed, pulling Bagram, leaving. Uh, over a hundred Americans known uh, still in country. They've witnessed that. They witnessed 13 warfighters lose their lives because American leadership gave our security force over to the Taliban for them to manage our our security and our perimeters. If you can believe it. Yep. Um, <laughs> The the nihilism, I, I want to bring that back up again at this juncture in our conversation, that permeates our society when we have now a new justice on the Supreme Court that refused in front of Congress to define what a woman is. Um, all of us know, all of us, the vast majority of people know this is nonsense. It's irrational. In fact, it's mental illness. We know that, the vast majority of us. Those young adults who are coming into the military, that's the culture that they were submerged in through their public school education, in fact, now in, in private school education, um, 
true. They, they come into the military. And, and I must say, to your point, Paul, in, in making this an egalitarian application, that it isn't just the Marine Corps, it's all branches of service. But I think we can agree that there's something to be said about a young, uh, young adult who, for whatever reason in their personal lives as civilians, are considering options and they decide they're going to go into the military. There's something unique about the individual who chooses to go into the Army intending to go to Ranger School uh, or an individual who chooses the Marine Corps over the Navy or the Air Force. There's something about those young adults who want to engage in the risk, the thrill, the identity of, of being a warrior, uh, of being a rifleman, an infantryman, uh, a mortarman, uh, a machine gun operator, a tank driver. Um, those, th- those same qualities, I would say, uh, apply to those young adults who want to join the Air Force and go into the PJs or join the Navy and become a SEAL, uh, those individuals coming in wanting to be a part of that culture, the warfighter culture, uh, have preconceived notions about what that looks like, what it's going to feel like, what it's going to involve, the commitment, the sacrifice, but also the benefits, the rewards, the prestige, the accomplishment, the sense of success uh, that is noble and and traditional. Those individuals come in to the military um, and they, they go through the process. And those who are fortunate enough to find good leaders leading the way, uh, notice the... Uh, subtle reference to the Rangers. Um, They are blessed among all warfighters because they, they have inadvertently swerved into uh, a culture, a setting, a leader who personifies all of their expectations. And those individuals rise very quickly in their success, finding that, that they've accomplished everything they've set out to accomplish um those folks few in number are countered with a larger group of people who come in with noble intentions and bump up against bad leadership so my role and those in my shared mission um recognize that focusing on that junior Marine, understanding that that leadership goes up the chain as well as it goes down the chain. Leading up the chain is more complicated. Uh, And and that complicated uh, orientation to the chain of command can be taught, and we do engage those junior Marines in a variety of ways, 
to encourage them to indeed lead up the chain by example, uh, showing senior leaders what good leadership looks like by being first a good follower, disciplined, good ordered, faithful, sacrificial, reliable, dependable, honorable, manifesting those characteristics for senior leaders. Um, but filling the room with senior leaders, especially those recalcitrant to all that we're talking about, seeing themselves as good leaders when in fact they're the ones winking at hazing, they're the ones winking at alcohol abuse, they're the ones setting mixed signals as to don't do as I do, do as I say. In, in simple terms, they're hypocrites and they, they, they don't see themselves as needing this education that we're talking about. Getting those people in the room uh, is the hard part because they will find all manner of excuses and ways to wiggle sideways in order to avoid being held accountable, in order to avoid um, having to not just learn something new, but go out and practice it. Um, those who own this problem are the primary target. Getting them in the room is the most challenging part of my job. Most of the juniors want to be in that room. They want to be told that their, their expectations for leadership are correct, that wanting uh, indeed the, the father figure or the mother figure that they didn't have as civilian um, young adults before they joined, that they look to their staff NCO, uh, male or female, as, as, as their surrogate parent. I've had staff sergeants, junior officers come into my office and say, I had no idea what my Marines needed of me until I came to realize they were looking to me to be their parent. And I don't know if I'm equipped to actually parent my junior Marines. What does that actually mean? I sit down kneecap to kneecap, says that leader, and I get to know my Marine. I find out what their finances look like. I find out what their home life looks like, what their love life looks like, um, what car are they driving, what interest rate are they paying on that car, um, their, their education level, their, their um, uh, moral convictions, what's their sense of right and wrong. All of those things are, are part of what leaders have to do. And these days, that role of leader is much more complicated than it used to be. Back when uh, we served, I go back to the early 70s, um, the communities that we came from, again, as I said earlier, we, we shared some common denominators. Uh, friends of my parents expected me to succeed in the Navy. It would be shameful for me to um, dishonor the Navy, dishonor them, dishonor my family, dishonor myself, dishonor God, 
by by engaging in behavior that was unacceptable. It was immoral. It was disgusting to them. And I knew they would hold me accountable when I would go home. That was the community. Um, that no longer exists. So these young adults come into the military and they're looking for that family. Uh, and when they bump up against bad leaders, the, the disappointment, the disenfranchisement, the disillusionment takes its toll very quickly, as I've been describing. Well, did you, I answer your question? You, you did, and you actually, you know, I was going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you, is it is it easier, uh, not, actually, is it more difficult today to be a lieutenant than it would have been in the 80s or 90s? And I, I and you, you absolutely answered that. But the, the, the thing that I'm wondering now is, you know, what, what are the service academies doing uh, to recognize uh, these additional challenges that, the officer corps from the 70s and 80s and 90s did not necessarily have to deal with. These new challenges that these officers are getting, you know, this young lieutenant, uh, what he's facing with, with, with uh, these, these, these young warriors coming in, what are we doing at the non-commissioned officer level at their, at their schooling to help them, just like you said, you know, this, this, this sergeant realizing that, you know, they're now a parent, you know what? What? What did? What? What are we doing in your field? Like, as an epic, have has this translated over to those service academies and to that non-commissioned officer education system where I where I think it needs to be, or or is is that not is that happening or not? That's an excellent question. Very prescient, uh, because it is all too slowly becoming evident that these psychological, emotional, social, spiritual aspects of leadership are becoming crucial topical needs within those education systems. Um, NCO and staff NCO education, uh, leadership education, uh, corporal's course, sergeant's course, um, et cetera, only within those units who are enlightened quite frankly, by solid leadership, are those topics being taught, explored, uh, and emphasized? Uh, it is not an institutional dynamic yet. That's why your question is so prescient. It needs to be. It, it needs to have its play. These topics of leadership that are focused on spiritual being emotional well-being, intellectual well-being, social well-being, those topics need to be institutionalized within those, those um, places of higher education, both within the military at the uh, uh, NCO, staff NCO level, and in our academies. Um, because without it, we are not equipping our leaders with sufficient understanding of what's being expected. The emphasis currently is traditional. It's a war college uh, emphasis. Uh, again, MOS proficiency and battlefield efficacy are what's emphasized. Rightly, those things are crucial. That's the business we're in. But in order to get that done, we're dealing with very needy young adults. You know, there's, there's, it, I'm, I'm a bit incredulous, hence the, the chuckling here. It, I mean, I, I mean no disrespect, 
But I am incredulous that there's now within the DOD and within the ranks of senior leadership, uh, a quandary, uh, a question that they've not been able to answer. Why is there such a, a recruitment and retention problem within the Department of Defense? Okay. The answer is leadership. And it's ironic to me, if not hypocritical, that senior leaders won't say it out loud. It's the elephant in the room. We need to prepare our leaders to recognize the need. Our young adults are coming into the military out of a very sick society, a very distorted. Yeah. I, I, would, I would go as far to say, and, and this reveals a bit of my, my spiritual orientation, but I, I would venture to say demonic influences mm -hmm. in our culture. No um, when, when the truth, you know, um, Churchill said that a lie will make its way halfway around the world before the truth has time to put its pants on. Um, That's tr absolutely true. <laughs> we, we, have, we have lies floating, not just in... Mm intentional uh, purpose to deceive, but then worse than that, we are threatened that we can't even talk about it. Mm. We, we can't even bring up uh, our opinion of transgenderism or uh, critical race theory or uh, pick one. Mm. We, we can't even talk about it. Yeah. Otherwise, the cancer culture steps in and, and we're shut down. That's the culture our young adults are coming into the military from. Leaders have to be prepared for that. They have to see it coming. They have to set a climate, a tone that is nothing less than parental. Here's what right looks like. Here's what being on the right side of right looks like. And here's what wrong looks like. We don't do what's wrong. We do what's right. Absolutely. Whether it's yeah, sorry. alcohol or 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 appropriate sexual behavior, or pick one. Uh, until leaders are proactive, mm -hmm. left of the bang, setting up those dynamics, we will continue to fail on these numbers, and they will not come down. We'll continue to have these problems among us. Yeah, well said, well said. And, and, and what I hear is resonating through everything you're saying, Kevin, is something that I, I I've known. I just haven't had uh, articulated quite as well as you did, but uh, values matter. Values yes. matter. It actually matters. And um, sorry. Uh, the other issue I see is with leaders is uh, maybe I could just, this is kind of what I'm hearing. Maybe I can just throw this out here and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing is leaders need to own the problem. Yes. They have to get involved. They have yes. to interrupt the trends that the leaders at the, the lowest level or the first level, if you will, to put it, you know, uh, more positive, the first line of leadership at that, whatever that is, Lance Corporal, the corporal level, level, they have to be the ones that raise the bar. And that's where the change actually happens. Uh, yes. and, and so you have, um, you know, my analogy is we're on a train and we're watching the train wreck, you know, while we're on the train. And, uh, it, but we can, we can correct this. We can course correct, but it has to start at the leadership level. Uh, because yes. we keep, keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep getting what we get. And, um, 
But yeah, it's it's just so important that people hear that that values matter. What we believe, we're going to live out. You're going to live it out, whatever it is. And I'm so glad that you also mentioned that too. Is the um, not to go off on a little sermon here, but just to, starting to sound like one. Uh, the the Judeo Christian ethic that our country was founded on. Uh, I I just see the last decade, I guess, has been eroding that foundation. And, and, uh, you know, we have no hope that this structure will survive uh, this onslaught if if, uh, that foundation just is completely eroded. Uh, Everything that our country is built on will will collapse. Uh, Just your thoughts on some of that. Well, irrefutable. Um, And I challenge anyone who disagrees with what you just said uh, to, in fact, dare I say, come up with the metrics to counter what common sense clearly identifies as a serious uh, uh, undermining of, of social fabric, not only our values and and I, I will say proudly the American way uh, that does not suggest being perfect. It doesn't suggest being superior. It means freedom with a moral society provides opportunity unlike any other culture in the history of humankind. It is freedom with a moral culture dedicated to moral clarity and moral certitude with responsibility taking, the capacity to delay gratification, the pursuit of truth. And when truth is found, understanding that it sets us free, but it also hurts every time, then we find freedom in truth and living a balanced life, being able to execute a disciplined life in that fashion that's what will bring this country and the military back on track. Without it, those who hate this country, hate the Judeo-Christian traditions of this country, will win, and they are winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the time is coming when the, the tide will be stemmed and turned, um, but it will require leadership, both in the civilian setting, but in particular in our military families, Um, units, tribes, uh, moral clarity at the top, where we're not embracing such things as drag queen story hour. Mm. Uh, We we will get back to um, a prayerful commitment to the Constitution, to the, the purpose our founding fathers put in front of us, uh, understanding no one is claiming perfection. It is, it is uh, our duty as Americans to fight for what's worthy of fighting for. That is the American experiment, unequaled throughout human history. Um, the American fighting force is the most powerful uh, in the history of humankind. It's also, historically, the, more, the most um moral and upstanding, what other fighting force uh, can we point to who, at the end of such 
a tragedy as World War II, turned around and rebuilt those same countries that waged war against us. Mm. Yes, it can be said that the Romans, as they would conquer, would assimilate conquered, vanquished populations and bring order and law and uh, structure uh, and, and economic prosperity to those to those countries, to those peoples. But uh, look at what happened to Rome when it lost its um, when it lost its footing. Um, the the um, Michael Hopf quote that we've heard so much mentioned in recent times uh, from his book, uh, Those Who Remain, that um, bad times create good men. Good men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create bad times. That cycle, I think, is irrefutable. There are those in academia who argue that that's not the case. And I think their arguments are weak. I think they're myopic. I think they are singularly um, discriminating against uh, sweeping historical data that, that, that substantiates Hopf's quote that, that it takes adversity and struggle for good men to find their way into goodness um, that that's not unique to, to modern culture. Buddha is quoted as saying that all wisdom comes from suffering, that life is suffering and that all wisdom comes from suffering. Um, a biblical perspective agrees with that. In fact, all religious and philosophical treatises written down through human history, regardless of cultural orientation, speak to the importance of struggle as the source of wisdom, strength, and moral clarity. We have an indulged population who believes that it's their birthright to enjoy freedom, that it's not, uh, it, it doesn't require defending, that it doesn't require fighting for, that it's simply ours because we're entitled to it. Um, they're the ones who find it uh, reasonable to turn around and accuse the United States of uh, being a despicable institution and true, inarguable, we have done bad things, but generally it's the American people who have been generous and kind. It is the American people that have given up their treasure in the form of young adults who've been willing to storm Normandy to, to go into Desert Storm, uh, to fight for those in Somalia, to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. It is Americans that put their treasured children in harm's way for the sake of those who, who can't defend themselves. We are a good country, not perfect. But, uh, <laughs> so to the point of, of of the ethical, moral foundations that we've been discussing, our leaders have to wake up. We, we have to put solid men and women in leadership roles who understand these things, who, who understand the, the power of a value-based uh, 
orientation to life and what it does to benefit all those that serve. That's well said, sir. I mean, that is a, I think sounds a clarion call uh, to yes. leaders, leaders everywhere. I mean, uh, heed the call. You're in that position for a reason. Uh, and as he said, uh, serve with uh, uh, what a what an awesome uh, opportunity is to serve the greatest nation on this planet. And and the reason yes. why it is is because it's blessed. Uh, it's blessed yes. by God. And and I wonder if I could just throw you on the spot here, Kevin, and just ask as we close this that you would uh, close in a word of prayer. <sighs> it would be it would it would be my privilege. Um, it, it actually uh, brings very powerful emotions to the surface for me. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to honor God. So pray with me. Um, Father, we stand in awe of your holiness. We are profoundly grateful beyond words we can express for your faithfulness to us, for your patience, for your grace and mercy that is new every morning. Father in heaven, we pray humbly, having taken a knee before you, that you would bless this country draw us back to you, strengthen those of us who see with eyes that see and hear with ears that hear, the clarion call that we would step up and with courage and conviction and strength and clarity, fight for those who cannot fight, lead for those who need leading, follow those who are leading with moral clarity and courage that together we will once again honor you, trust you, glorify you, and serve a world that is crumbling, needing this country to once again lead. Father, we commit these things to you, knowing full well we are incapable of being those people without you. So please, Father, carry us, empower us, guide us, that we can be your hands and feet, that we can be your eyes and ears, that we can be your voice. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. All right, thank you. That was an awesome episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Pinelander Podcast. If you enjoy our unique content, please consider supporting our sponsors. Soft News, providing special operations news from around the world. It's where Paul and I go to keep abreast of what's going on within the soft community. Check them out at soft.news. Blacksmith Publishing, been serving the warrior class since 2013. They have great titles written for warriors, by warriors. If you're looking for excellent reference material or just want to unwind with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com.
And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the General Store located at PinelanderGeneralStore.com. That's all one word, PinelanderGeneralStore.com. Have a great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, sweaters, stickers, patches, artwork, and a whole lot more. Check out the store at PinelanderGeneralStore.com. If you're interested in helping develop our country's next generation of warriors, uh, please consider donating to the American Agogi Project. The mission of the project is to foster an environment producing able-bodied citizen warrior men of fine character. And we'll be officially launching the project in 2023 in celebration of uh, Blacksmith Publishing's 10th anniversary. Until our next meeting, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. To each other, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. May God continue to bless Pineland.